Please welcome to the show the radio play-by-play voice for the 2019 NBA champs, the Toronto Raptors, Eric Smith. Hey, Kareem. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. You know, if we, as Toronto basketball fans, 2019, 2018, 2019, um, you know, what, what a season that we had, a defining year for, for fans. When 2020, you know, March 2020 comes around and everyone is saying, can we go back to 2019? Can we fast forward through 2020? But I'm, I'm now thinking, I don't know about you, Eric, that maybe 2020 is the year that really we're, we're, we're changing. I hopefully, yeah. we're changing the way that we treat each other. Yes. Moving yes. forward. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, listen, I'm, just to be clear, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, to, ready to answer this uh, and absolutely ready to go. Are we, are we rolling? Are we, are we, we're starting? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I think you're bang on. Um, I think that there's no denying it was what, uh, eight, 12 weeks ago. Um, more than that, obviously when things started, but it was yeah. probably eight or 10 weeks ago where we all were just saying, man, can we just hit the reset button? Can, can, can 2020 just go away? Uh, I think there were a lot of people certainly in NBA circles, uh, that were looking to the very beginning of the year when David Stern passed away. And then when right. Kobe yeah. Bryant's death came at the end of January as well. So even just within the NBA community, there were two. Yeah significant stories to start the year and then all of a sudden we get to the first week or a little longer than the first week of March and the NBA to me was perhaps the the league that kind of started it all uh, almost globally I mean there were already certain countries especially overseas that were starting to mm -hmm. uh, you know go into lockdown measures and quarantining and whatnot but it seems like the the, the world in general and no doubt North America didn't truly take notice and didn't truly take drastic steps until the NBA said, we're done. We're hitting the pause button right now. And, and I think because of all that, and, and because of, I'm sure the fear that all of us had as, as humans, uh, mm -hmm. as, as brothers and sisters and, and husbands and wives and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, and everybody, kids, you know, uh, uh, people of all ages, I think we were scared. Uh, I think there's still a lot of people that are scared in terms of what's happening in the world, uh, what's going on. When will it go away? If it goes away, will there be a vaccine? Won't there be a vaccine? Who will take it? Who won't take it? How safe am I? Is it okay to go in public? Should I wear a mask? Shouldn't I wear a mask? I mean, the, the questions go on and on and on. And I think it can weigh on people. And I think that's probably the reason why a lot of folks were just saying, hit the pause button. No, hit the erase button. Let's go yes. back to 2019. Let's pretend this didn't even happen. But as you say now, uh, what has happened um, in the last couple of weeks specifically uh, and certainly since, since the, the, the killing, the, uh, the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, I believe that, you know, and, and, and the wake up call should have happened a long time ago for many. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to sit here on some, some high perch and say that, sure. that I, you know, I've always been aware and I've always been fighting the cause. I, th I, I believe I've been an ally. Uh, I believe I've been awake to many of the issues. I believe I've supported uh, all or, or at, the, at the very least most of the issues over the years. Uh, I like to think that uh, I've lived my life in a good way and have treated people properly. But yeah. even through all of this, I've seen there's more I can do. Um, and even if my doing is using my voice, using my platform, uh, uh, again, being a stronger ally uh, for friends, for colleagues, uh, just for humanity, period. And I think because of that, um, there's a sense of, no, we shouldn't delete 2020. We need to use 2020 as the wake-up call for what needs to change, not just between um, fellow man, obviously man or woman when I say sure, that. Sure, of course. Um, yeah. But also even, you know, not to, not to divert the conversation, but even the impact on our environment, everything. I yeah. Mean, you, 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 again, I, I know we're going to circle back to um, the, the current uh, race relations and the issues surrounding that, uh, no doubt. Um, but you just think of the impact that COVID has had 
on the lack of pollution and bluer skies and cleaner skies and cleaner air and, and more animals roaming in, in neighborhoods and areas that they didn't before uh, and cleaner waters and, and all of that, uh, I think should serve as a wake up call to perhaps the way we need to live and the way we need to treat um, our earth yeah. better when things do return to normal, quote unquote, whatever normal ends up being. Yeah, I was speaking with a a friend of mine who has battled um, three different types of cancer uh, over the past less than a decade. Hmm. And um, she was saying she has like a new outlook on, on, on how she approaches life, you know, just with what she's gone through. Uh, her name is Munira and Munira is telling me that, you know, when, when COVID hit, you know, obviously everyone is, is in a, in a state where it, you, you freeze and you f- try to figure out what to do next or how do you approach this? And one of the things that she did was, what could I learn from this? What could I, how could I become better? And I think one of the things for me is, is, is empathy because, um, you know, a lot of us uh, have said, or we've heard it being said that we're all in the same boat, you know, like worldwide, we're all fighting uh, this pandemic and, and yeah, we are. And and then, you know, you do some reading and stuff and then you realize that, you know, if we just take a look at Canada, there are so many um, populations and groups of people that, Eric, you and I, we, we have a roof over our heads, right? Um, Yes. Our, our jobs might've changed a bit, but there are still so many people, you know, uh, our indigenous neighbors that still don't have clean drinking water. How does that impact how they fight a pandemic? Yes. Um, How, how does the, the diet of people that can afford a Big Mac, but can't afford a a whole food salad, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how does that impact how their body fights uh, a disease like, like COVID-19. So we might be all in the same storm, but we're like, so many of us are in different types of boats. Well, yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was thinking, Kareem, when you were saying that is, is yeah. to use the, the analogy of the boat, you know, um, we might, I don't know if we're all, we're all in a boat. Uh, it's yeah. just might not be the same boat. You know, yeah. Somebody, somebody might be in a kayak versus a yacht or, yeah. or even, or even if we are in the same boat, um, you know, somebody's hanging over the edge a little bit where somebody's got a comfortable seat. Somebody's got a life jacket, but somebody doesn't. You yeah. know, somebody's, somebody's sitting in the area of the boat where they might be springing a little bit of a leak. So yeah. uh, it's certainly different. There's, there's no denying. It's different uh, globally. And as you said, it's, it's different within our own country. Um, and, you know, I, one of the other things I would say, which ties into what we're talking about uh, in, in, in relation, I believe, to, to not just COVID, uh, but certainly into um, what has what has come to a boiling point, and and it's been simmering. It's yes. never it's never not been boiling. It's been simmering, but it's starting to boil again and boil over, and it needs to, and it should. Uh, I think is, you know, I think we look at the fact that one of the things I said, and I said this last uh, last night when I was uh, doing my Instagram show, and I had Sherman Hamilton on with me, mm. and I said one of the things that I would have said to you 14 days ago. 10, 14 days ago, roughly, was I need to, I need to listen. I need to learn. Yeah. And, and I already have been listening and I already was learning, but I need to listen and I learn more. But I, what I've also then kind of tweaked that in my own mind in the last seven days is it's not enough to just listen and learn though. I need to use my voice and I, mm. and I need to use my, my platform. I need to be more vocal. I can't just sit back and listen and learn. Because while that is good, I need to be more of an ally, as I said a few minutes ago, as I've tried to be, but I need to be more of an ally. I need to be a better ally. ally. I, need to, I need to be there for those that maybe need my assistance uh, or, or want my assistance and my partnership in being more of uh, an ally. And when I say being vocal and using my platform, I don't mean as a member of the media. I mean, you use your platform, I use mine, whomever. This isn't about followers or likes or who sure. has, you know, it's, I don't care if you got five followers, use your platform, use your voice, even if it's amongst your neighborhood, uh, along, uh, alongside your coworkers, within your family, whatever it may be, it's having, um, you know, the, the strength, the ability, the, the maturity 
to say what needs to be said and to speak up uh, when words need to be spoken. Yeah. It, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I saw, I don't know if, whether it was an Instagram post you put or yeah. Yeah. I think it was Instagram. Was it, wasn't, wasn't Twitter um, where you talked about, you know, how you were raised, um, how you're raising um, uh, your, your child and how, how you, be, you know, how you behaved. And um, I'm, I'm just, it, it's, it's a time where, you know, people have said you're, it, it's time to get uncomfortable and, yeah. and, and become comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, because, you know, people that, you know, like, like I'm sure you, you've probably had, whether it is recorded or, or not recorded, you know, conversations with people like Sherman Hamilton and, and, and Paul Jones, people that you've known for years and um, worked together and have, have socialized. I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you, you must have had sort of the, these private conversations and then just to, I guess, check yourself because I've, I've done that myself as well. As well. I, yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you as well. I'll, I'll tell you a, a few stories and I'll probably ramble on here a little bit. That's but, fine. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned the, the post that I put up. Um, my intention in, in putting that post up was to kind of illuminate or highlight not just how I feel and how I was raised and how I'm trying to raise my, my son along with my wife in, in the best way possible and in the most loving way possible. Yeah. Um, but it was also to highlight and, and acknowledge the privilege that I have mm. uh, and have always had that maybe I was not always, um, I shouldn't say I wasn't aware of it because it's clear that I've been aware of it. I'm a, I'm a white male in Canada, no less. But you don't, like, it, it doesn't privileged. impact you, right? Like, it doesn't... I, I try and, I listen, yeah. it, well, it does impact me because every day I wake up and I've got... Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. A, yeah, you're right, a, yeah. A foot ahead, a leg ahead than a lot of other people, right? So it, yeah. it, it does impact me. Yeah. But yeah. I try not to allow it to impact the way that I treat people mm. or have treated people. But I, I will say this, Kareem, and, and I don't say this critically at all. This That's is, fine. Again, this is, again, going back to the learning. Yeah. Um, what, what I posted... I had a ton of feedback, uh, a lot of feedback. And, and I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there. I would say 90 to 95% of the feedback I got was positive and saying, thank you for using your voice and thank you for using your flat platform and thank you for sharing your story and thank you for your thoughts and thank you for being there, et cetera, et cetera. But there were some that wrote me back. Uh, and and, and when, I, when I think about who responded, and there's a couple of people that I know very well that reached out either publicly or privately. Um, uh, a couple of different uh, um, uh, African-American guys that I know, a couple of different people of, of color that I know that said, you know what, I understand and I appreciate what you wrote, but at the same time, I didn't like the fact perhaps that you had to point out, here's why I'm not racist. Here's mm. why I think I'm good. And here's then why I think I still need to do more. And that was never my intention. But even, yeah. even when you intend to do good and to do well and to, 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 to be saying the right thing. Yeah. Um, some people may not interpret it that way, or they may read your words a different way, which then leads to a conversation comfortable or uncomfortable. And, and that, that to me ultimately is a good thing uh, that the conversation then happens. Interesting. Um, cause, cause again, and one of the, one of the people that wrote me said, you could have or should have started with, I support black lives, black lives matter. Uh, you know, I will be there as, as a friend, as an ally, as a, as a supporter, uh, as, a, as, a, as a partner, and then tell your story, as opposed to, here's my story of how I was brought up, and here's my story of what I've done, and here's what's impacted my life, and here's, you know, why I don't think that I um, am, am racist, or why I think sure. I'm open, and oh yeah, by the way, I support Black Lives, and, and again, it was never the intention to do that, in yeah. fact, what I wrote, what I wrote, and, and you know, part of the, the main piece that I wrote um, surrounded or, or, or was focused on the fact that from a very young age and to this day, the, the best friend in my life, the, the man that is in my will as the, uh, as the primary caregiver for my son, if my wife and I were to die, uh, the man that was the best man at my wedding, the, the guy that's been my best friend for over 35 years is Indian. Uh, and, and, you know, he and I have grown up since uh, eight, 10 years old being best friends and, and 
him being welcomed into my home with open arms and it was never a question and my parents joking as I wrote about joking about him being their third son and and uh, I was like a third son to, to his parents as well and I just visited his, with his parents a little social distance visit on their front lawn uh, about you know four weeks ago I just happened to be in their neighborhood I stopped in my friend wasn't with me I just stopped in to see Mr. and Mrs. Parapalli and uh, hung out on their front lawn and and uh, you know, I, I, you know, joked back in the day about any time uh, Mrs. Parapalli would offer a cookie, I was always make sh- made sure, is this a chocolate chip cookie? Or is this some sort of one of those Indian cookies? Because I don't like those Indian cookies very much, you know, like just things like that and playing playing tennis yeah. together with my buddy and, and, and basketball and, and, and just everything, you know, being there for each other over the years and, and confiding in him probably more than I confide in, in anybody in my life uh, mm. outside of maybe my wife. You know, he's the one I go to more than, uh, you know, parents, brother, any other friend, any other relatives, et cetera. He's the guy that I know I've got his back. He's got mine. And when I wrote what I wrote, I sent it to him first. And I said, tell me what you think as, as an Indian man, as a, as, as a, as, you know, he was born sure. in Canada, but his parents were born in India and came here uh, in their, I believe in their, their late teens, early twenties. And uh, I said, tell me what you think. And is this worth posting? Is this worthy? Because I want to make sure I'm saying the right things in the right way. I also sent what I wrote to Paul Jones who I've been friends with and broadcast partners with for over 20 years. And I sent it to him and I said, give me your feedback, pro or con, tell me what you think. And, 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 yeah. you know, be, be constructive, be critical if, if need be, because I want to make sure that this is articulated properly and that the message is, is being put out properly because, you know, the, these are words that I feel that I believe, but I want to make sure it's going to be conveyed um, in the best light possible because I, I, I'm being honest here. I'm putting myself out there as I should. Both of them wrote back and said, absolutely, you know, this is, this is great. Please do yeah, it. Yeah, please yeah. use your voice. Please help us as yeah. people of color. Please go ahead and do it. So I did it. And yeah. even in having them, and listen, that's not to say that just because two people of color say it's great, that means everyone. That everyone, yeah. But, We're all different but, people, yeah. But they both said, yes, it's great. Yes, it's good. Go ahead. Whereas others said, ah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really like that one part, or I think you could have done something different, or I think, you know, your message might have been lost a little bit or whatever. So again, even though overwhelmingly it was, it was a positive um, uh, response, there were some that weren't as positive. And that, as I said, at least ignited a conversation, which is good because it ultimately then is or was needed. And then it helps me be better in the future in terms of thinking about different angles uh, different ways to say things, different ways to respond. Uh, and, and, and allows me as, you know, to kind of use the journalistic, uh, approach of, of looking at a story from a different angle and, and, yes. and, and kind of peeling back the layers of the onion to find a different angle, a different story, a different response, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I this doesn't necessarily tie into to what I'm saying right now, but I saw somebody recently talk about, um, you know, those people that have said, uh, you know, I, 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 I see clearly, or I, I, you know, I don't see color. I don't see racism and I, I'm, I'm great and I'm good and I'm perfect. And you know, nobody is, nobody does, yeah. but you can't, if you're living like this, even if you think you live like this, right. Somebody said, yeah, but this goes out here, right? Yeah. There's always somebody at the other end of that. What's their view of this? Yes. And then what's the view on this angle? And what's the view on this angle? It, you know, it can't just be this because there's something still going on over here and there's something still going on over here. So you've got to be able to look at it from other angles and not just have the blinders on because there's somebody beside you that has the blinders, but their eyes are pointing this way or their eyes are pointing this way. So you have to look at it from the other angles. And as I said, I'm going to ramble on big time, but to go back to your original question about some of the stories or conversations that have been, that have been shared or told, um, respectfully, I'm not going to get into uh, sure. Private conversations. Of course. But I can tell you publicly two of the um, conversations and stories that I've had, one with Jonesy, one with Sherm. Um, and we've had these privately, but we've also done them recently publicly as well. Um, with Paul, uh, I would hazard to guess we've been on the road 15 years together. We've been working together for over 20, but we've been on the road together for over 15 years. And at least half of those those years, so seven or eight of those years, when we're in certain cities in the US and one stands out more than any. Um, and listen, there's some fantastic people there. Again, that's not to assume of course. Every, everybody with the same brush. Yeah. But uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, the amount of times that I've walked down the street to go get lunch, to go have dinner, to head to the game, 
whatever it may be, with Jonesy walking, you know, side by side, shoulder to shoulder. The amount of times that I've seen, and Jonesy certainly has seen and felt the looks of kind of, why is there a white guy walking with a black guy? Like it's, it's, it's beyond evident and apparent that we're getting looks. And as Jonesy has noted a number of times, and these are his words, but he has said, he goes, there are so few black people in Utah that the, the running joke in his mind is always, you know, if he sees somebody, he just wants to say, Hey, what time's the game at? Because it just seems like there's, there's, there aren't enough people that look like him or that represent him in that city. And you sense that it's a very, um, a very white city where mm-hmm. maybe there are some, or maybe there are some more than others that just don't um, acknowledge or necessarily appreciate the friendship, the bond, the love that might exist between, uh, you know, sure. a, a white person and a black person. Uh, it's, it's been evident. Another thing that happened with Jonesy and I, and we told this story, were, was years ago when Mike James was playing with the Raptors his one season um, uh, with the Raptors. And I can count for him on one hand the number of times that I've been out um, with a player or a coach for that matter in 15 years on the road. We don't, you know, you might run into a guy in the street. You might run into him in the hotel lobby, something like that. You say hello, you're friendly or sure. Social, but we're not, we're not out there hanging out, you know, being social with the players 97, 99% of the time. So mm. as I said, in 15 years and all the road trips I've done, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've been out socially with a player. But all those years ago uh, in New York City, we were staying, of all places, at the uh, Trump Hotel, uh, Trump Central Park. Yeah. Um, one of the benefits of being a team broadcaster, we get to stay in the team hotel. So I would stay in all these fancy five-star hotels <laughs> that I would never be able to afford uh, <laughs> on my own. Um, but I had just come back from doing a interview with NBA TV in, in Secaucus, and I had come back and was meeting Jonesy in the lobby to, to go out and hit the streets of New York City and find a restaurant and go have dinner. And as we left the uh, hotel, and it was, I, I want to say it was a January, February, it was freezing. Um, we were trying to get a cab and Mike James came walking out of the hotel with a couple of his buddies, some, some of his friends that had come from, from Amityville, Amityville, New York. And the three of them were heading out. They ran into us and, and Mike just said, Hey, why don't you guys come with us? And I, you know, I, no, no, it's okay. Mike, we're just saying, no, 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 come on. Let's, let's, let's all go have dinner together. Now I'm the, the, not that it mattered at all to me. I'm the one white guy with four, four different, you know, black guys that are with me, Jonesy, Mike James, his two, uh, his two buddies. And we walk down the steps of the hotel. We go to grab a cab and Mike walks out. Cab starts to slow down and takes off. And then tries to flag another cab, zips right past him. So then he sends one of his buddies out. His buddy stood there for a couple of minutes. No cab stopped. Another buddy goes out. The second one tried to flag cab. Doesn't stop. And finally, Mike just said, this is BS. E, see if you can go get us a cab. I walk out to the curb and within 30 seconds, boom, cab stops. And as my four friends walk out towards me to go get in the cab, the cab takes off. So that was beyond clear, beyond clear, even in a city like New York, that you could not get a cab. And how long ago was this? Again, this is, this is, uh, sure. This is our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. This is less than 15 years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm brain cramping right now. And, Shame That's on me. Fine. Brain, brain, <laughs> brain crafting for, for which year it was that Mike James was in town. I want to say 06 or I don't know, whatever. It yeah, was yeah. Somewhere around there. But anyways, uh, it was, it was yeah, in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. Uh, and as it turns out, Mike ends up walking across the street and sees a guy with a limousine and walks up to the limo driver and says, um, you know, how much? And the guy says, well, I'm on a call right now. I, I just dropped some people off at a restaurant. He's like, so they're, they're having dinner. Like, can you, can you give us a ride? He's like, well, not really. I mean, I need to be here. And, he, and the, the, so Mike said, well, like, how long? The limo driver said, well, they told me I need to be here, be ready to take them back at like, it was, no, I want to say like 10 for you, two hours or something. And Mike said, all right, so can I hire you for an hour and a half? I'll make sure you're back here. How much? And he paid this limo driver and we end up hopping in the backseat of a limo. So even though, uh, you know, uh, five guys, uh, four of which were were, were, were were people of color, even though they couldn't get a cab, here they were now riding in a limousine through the streets of New York, uh, you know, and, and we went and had a nice dinner and Mike, to his credit, was on cue, on time, had that guy back where he needed to be. But like, those are just a couple of small examples of things that I've experienced on the road and, and things 
uh, you know, that have happened stateside. And then another one that happened on our side of the border, I guess technically it was, it was at the U.S. border and it was a, a U.S. Border Patrol agent. So I guess it is still more sure. of an American thing. Again, not to say that things like this don't happen in Canada. Um, but Sherm just told the story last night or recounted the story with me where, uh, again, less than 10 years ago, I want to say it was seven or eight years ago, uh, our colleague, our friend, Jack Armstrong, who lives just over the border in Lewiston, New York. And Lewiston is like 90 minutes tops from Toronto, for those that don't know. Uh, he had invited, Jack had, had invited myself, Sherm, Jonesy to golf uh, at, at uh, you know, one of the courses just over the border in, in, in Lewiston. Uh, so, you know, Jonesy and Sherman, I all live in different cities and, and I'm in the West end. So I'm kind of on the way to Buffalo, to Lewiston. So Jonesy drove, picked up Sherm. So Jonesy's driving, Sherm's in the front seat to pick me up. I'm in the back seat, <clears throat> excuse me. And we go, we're driving, having a great time, you know, yucking it up and whatever else. And we get to the border at the Queenston Lewiston bridge. So if I believe that's, uh, I should know this, but I'm pretty sure that's that's Fort uh, Erie, Canada, or you know Niagara Falls, yeah, Canada, Ontario, so. and we're crossing over in into Lewiston, and we get to the border. Again, Jonesy's driving, Sherm's in the front seat, I'm in the back. Uh, we're asked for our identification, and we all, you know, Jonesy grabs the three of you know Sherm's passport, my passport, his. He hands it to the to the border patrol agent. Uh, he looks at Jonesy's. And kind of, you know, gives him a once over. He looks at Sherm's and give him once over. And then he hands them back to Paul. Didn't even look at mine. Didn't even open it up. Whoa. Just hand, handed them back to Paul. And then he kind of leaned over and I had put the window down. It's like I was taught at a young age, you know, when I'm, you know, if, whether I'm driving, whether I'm sitting in the back seat, you roll up to the board, put your windows down, take your sunglasses off, make sure that the officer can, can look you in the eyes and, and, you know, you're not hiding anything. Even I was taught that. Yeah, and he kind of leaned over from the from the front window where Jonesy was and driving, and he kind of looked at, in the back window. And he looked and goes, "Are you okay back there?" And I kind of gave him a look. I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm fine." Like, like I didn't even know how to answer. I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, what, what the hell do you mean?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And he's like, "Okay, all right, see you guys later." And that was it. And wow. We, we drove off, and. I was the one, I believe, that was right away like, what the was that? And the two of them, like, that's, that's what it was. That's, that's racism. That's profiling. That was him clearly, you know, needing to check us out, check our passwords, not even looking at yours, and then asking if you're okay. Why? Because you're in the black seat, back seat with, with two black guys in the, in, the, in the front seat? Like, the hell was that? And we, we had probably, um, like, what we, we, we definitely had some 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 anger in the conversation but it it turns somewhat to jest even on their part because they just couldn't um you know they 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 couldn't believe that it happened again not that it happened but that it happened again and as sherm said to me and i, I hope i'm articulating it properly it didn't he said he said it to me he goes it didn't really happen to you it happened around you he goes it happened to us you just were part of it but it didn't really happen to you because of again and 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 sherm's my, my brother, my friend. Yeah, of course. I don't, take, of course. I don't take this critically at all. He's right. Nothing yeah. really happened to me. I, you know, I just sat there and, and a guy asked me a question. What happened was the overt racism and profiling of the two guys in the front seat. That's what happened. And that's huh. where, uh, you know, I, I, I think that again, as a, as a white man, you have to sort of take a step back sometimes and realize that, yeah, it's not really happening to you. You might be witness to certain things, but not as much is happening to us. And we need to, again, I, I don't want to be repeating myself over and over, but we need to be more of an ally to those that do have things happening to them and be there uh, for them in whatever way uh, possible. Yeah, one of the things that um, that I haven't yet done, and maybe I should ask this question more. Um, and I'm I'm curious if you've asked this question on, on how do how do we become an ally? And so, uh, because I don't know whether I could answer that for me, right? I, like I don't know if I need to ask somebody to say how could I be a better ally to you, rather than me thinking my head. I think I'll do this, and, and that that'll make things better. I'm curious if you've if you've asked that question. How, how can you be a better ally? I, you know, I, I have asked that. Um, 
and and I've also done what 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 you said as well is there there listen I don't know that either one of us has the has the answer right now of course yeah um I was gonna say I don't know if there's a wrong answer but clearly there is um sure I think there's not a wrong answer if your heart and your mind is in the right place and you're doing something and, of course and, I think and I so guess too. what I would say in, in saying that Kareem is is um whether you're asking somebody what can I do or you're saying to yourself, what can I do? If you're a good person, if you have a good heart, a good mind, I, I you know, I, hopefully I don't, hopefully I'm not naive in saying this. I think whatever you come up with is good. It's better than doing nothing. So yeah. whether, whether you feel, you know, you, 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 you know, you, you ask yourself in that mind, what can I do? Or what should I, what can I do to be a better ally? What should I be doing? I'm going to, I'm going to listen and learn more. I'm going to uh, retweet more messages. I'm going to be more vocal either publicly or via social media. I'm going to reach out to my friends, whatever color they may be that I haven't talked to in a long time and just be a better friend. I'm going to be a better neighbor. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, to, you know, even though I think I've treated people well and, and do and whatever, I'm going to be that much more conscious of treating even strangers better. Saying yeah. hello to somebody in public, treating a, a you know a, a cashier, a, a waiter, a waitress, or whomever, I'm going to treat them better with more respect, whatever color they are. I'm going to get more active in my community. I'm going to reach out to my local politics, whatever it is. All of I, I can't imagine that any of that is bad. If your if your yeah. heart and mind is rooted in the right place, then that to me is being. And again, I'm, I might I might be wrong in saying all that, but that's how I feel. You can be a good ally without necessarily having to ask someone what can i do i don't think sure. that's wrong i don't think it's wrong to say to a friend like if i said to sherm listen what can i do i'm sure he would tell me and sure. i'm sure he would give some advice but at the same time i also think there might be part of him saying man you know what i'm tired right now I, yeah I got, my own, I got my own issues i've got my own problems i got my own uh questions that i'm trying to deal with i don't i don't it's not that i don't want your help but i don't want to have to help you yeah like think about it you think about it. You come up with something. You, yeah. you, should know, you should know what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. So you come up with the answer. Don't, yeah. don't ask me to just sort of bail you out with, hey, do this, and then you do that, and now you feel better. Come up with something on your own and do it. Yeah, I've, I've heard people like uh, Desmond Cole and Morgan Campbell um, say something similar in terms of it's not up to – up to me when they, you know, they're saying this, it's not up to me to change, you know, all of this. It's up to, you know, they're saying this up to you guys. It's up to, you know, we use, we've used the word privilege here, right? Yeah. It's up, it's up to us that have privilege to change, uh, to, to, you know, to ensure that, you know, these microaggressions or macroaggressions that, that we see or, or bear witness to or, or uh, experience around us, you know, we don't just let it slide. You know, we, we sort of, we, we do what we, we can or what, well, what we I'll, feel we should. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an analogy and I, I, I don't wanna, I, I hate to keep referencing it over and over um, uh, and it's not meant as a cheap plug by any means, but it was just so recent. It, it was on my, my show on, on Wednesday night. One of the analogies yeah. that Sherm made, he said as a black man, um, he believes, he's always felt, and I think he's absolutely right, that from the minute he was born, there's a weight on him. Wow. Just, just by being black, there's a weight on him. And every day is that weight pushing you down and holding you down, or are you picking it up and carrying it? And then you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you got that weight. And are you picking it up or is it pushing you down? And he said, that's the struggle every wow. day. And I, I guess that, that kind of Kareem speaks to the you know to go back a few years ago or a few minutes ago excuse me to what we said or what you said um you know about just uh just e even in canada you know and, and you and i and, and you know we're both from different backgrounds um but you know if do you have a do you have a roof over your head do you have clean water do you have a bed to sleep in do you have food to eat do you not worry about where your next meal is coming from you know, we could, we could rhyme off more, yeah. a lot more than just that. But then, you know, you could say, and like, hey, here's another thing on the same topic. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen this video. You probably have. It's one of those things that went viral uh, a couple of years ago. And I've, I've again seen it recently uh, in the last few weeks popping up. But um, it, uh, it has people, I believe, either blindfolded or their eyes closed or whatever. And, and it's literally everybody standing on one line and, and all at the start line together. And it's, have you ever worried about where your next meal was going to come from? Have you ever worried if you had clean water? Have you ever worried about being pulled over by the police? Have you ever worried about being, uh, you know, racially profiled? Have you ever worried about not being able to pay your bills? Have you ever worried about, and boom, 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 listing off, you know, five, 10 different things. And, um, uh, and I, I just screwed up the analogy a little bit. I think sure. it was, have you, have you never worried about it? not have yeah. you ever, have you yeah. never? And every time you, you answer yes, like I've never worried about that. Take a step forward. No, I've never worried about how to move from edge. Take a step forward. No, I've never worried about food. Take a step forward. And then never worried about profiling. Never worried about my, the color of my skin. Never worried about being profiled by the police. Step, 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 step. And then you look back and there's a whole ton of white people that are, five, 10, 15 steps ahead of, you know, uh, 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 you know, however many black people or people of color that might be standing back on the line behind. Yeah. And it's, there's your advantage right there. There's your privilege. Now, now we're running a hundred meter race and you're 200 meters ahead. Now we're running a, you know, a 50 yard dash and you're 20 yards ahead. How fair is that? that's life right there. The analogy on life. And I, and I, yeah. I guess that's where, um, you know, that's, that's where, again, I say this as, as, as a, as a, as a white man, that's where we need to be more aware of that every single day and how that applies to, uh, whatever job it may be. And just life in general, I've never, when I, when I've been pulled over by the police and unfortunately it's been a few times for you know having a, having a lead foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've been nervous because I'm nervous about how much the ticket's going to be and if it might be demerit points and how that might impact my insurance yeah. and thus how much money that will ultimately cost me. But I've never been worried about my life. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been conscious of being respectful to the officer and recognizing their position of power and who they are and what they stand for. But I've never been worried that, that I have to keep my hands at 10 and two and not reach for something and, 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 and watch every single word I say so that it's not misconstrued or I'm yeah. not um, considered antagonistic or they're not trying to antagonize or, or, or come at me to put words in my mouth or to, to get me in a bad light. It's never happened. In fact, I, I again, I told another story to both Sherman and Jonesy that I know I've told them personally as well. Uh, you know, I had, I had an incident that the, the worst of my life, at least in terms of police interaction, um, was back in college when I was uh, driving down the Gardner and was going faster than I should have. Sure. Uh, and had three guys in the car with me that were abs. I mean, not just drunk. They were beyond <laughs> obliterated. This is back in college. They were completely plastered. And yeah. there's no doubt the car reeked, reeked of alcohol. But I'm not a really religious guy, but, you know, hand on a Bible for what that's worth. Um, I had not had a drop of alcohol in me. I was the designated driver that night, and I was always serious about that. Uh, you know, that, that wasn't anything I was screwing around with. But I got pulled over by the, the police. The officer came over, and the minute I rolled the window down, I'm telling you, I, like, I know the car was reeking. These guys were gone. And have you had anything to drink? Nope. Really? No, I haven't. I'm the designated driver. Well, you're going pretty fast. Well, I apologize, you know. But you mind stepping out of the car? Uh, uh, Okay. And I, you know, I'm 21, I think ish at the time, somewhere in there, 20, 21 years old, stepped out of the car, had to walk the line, had to do the whole, you know, finger in the nose and whatever else. And then mm. for whatever reason, she still wasn't satisfied. Wow. Come with me. <laughs> so come with me. But I wasn't cuffed or I wasn't dragged or whatever. I literally walked with her over yeah. to the car, get in the back seat, get in the cruiser. I've never been in a police cruiser in my life. Like the hell. So I get in the back seat, doors are locked. She hands me the tube and says, and you do breath breathalyzer test. I'm like, oh my God, like, all right. So take the tube and, and I'm, I'm freaking out still, even though I haven't had a drop alcohol because I'm thinking now conspiracy theories, this thing's going to blow in. Sure, yeah. They're going to lie and it's going to say that I did. And oh my God, I'm going to be arrested or something like I'm, let alone the fact that I'm in the backseat of a cruiser. Like it's, this has never happened before. 
and I blow into the tube and, and uh, it registers uh, or, or it didn't register the first time. It just had like lines across it. And she says, you're gonna have to do it again. My heart's like pounding through my chest and I, <laughs> she hands me another tube and I breathe, 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 breathe. I don't know if you've ever had to do one, but breathe, 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 breathe. And then all of a sudden it comes up zero, 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 like zeros across the board because I wasn't lying. I hadn't had a drop. And she looked at me and she's like, hmm, you're telling the truth. I said, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I was. I, I have not drank. I was our designated driver. She clicked, like unlocked the doors. Be careful getting out of the cruiser. Be careful merging back onto the highway. Slow down next time. Have a good night. And that was it. Like, now, let's, for a moment, mm. 15, 20 years ago, let alone 15, 20 minutes ago or 15, 20 days ago, let's insert a black man and not me, or let's assume that, that I wasn't a white male. I have a feeling that story might've been different. And that's not yeah. to say that every single cop is, is bad. Maybe it wouldn't have been different, but I think there's certainly a greater likelihood, a greater chance that that story might've been different uh, had I not been white. And yeah. uh, I will admit that even at the time, that's not something that crossed my mind or that I thought about, but in the years since, and certainly mm. now when you look back at it, yeah. it's something that is blatantly obvious, the privilege that existed in that moment for me. Wow, yes, I, I, I've had to do the breathalyzer literally the weekend as the whole province was shutting down. It was my son's birthday on the 13th of March, yeah. uh, which I believe was a Friday. And uh, we had all gone to him and friends. Restaurants were still open. So we went to Boston Pizza on uh, Young Shepherd area in Toronto. And uh, driving back, getting back on the highway to go on the 401 back into Scarborough, uh, just under the bridge, got stopped. And, the, and so I was excited to do the breathalyzer. I said, I've never done this before. And I, I, and I don't drink. So I, I, I didn't have a care in the world. Um, but had, I had a light broken in front. So I go, oh, Dad, yeah. they're, they're going to give me a ticket. Um, and they said, your, your light's like, oh, yeah, that just went. I'm going to get it fixed later. And my son's in the back going, you're lying, Dad. <laughs> and then yeah, he's calling me out. And then as we're, you know, okay, you're, you're good. Thank you very much. Make sure you get the light taken care of. And as I'm pulling out, I run over one of the pylons. Oh, man. And I'm like, oh no, please don't. <laughs> so that was that was uh, that was that. But you know, when you when you look back on it, you know, I don't have a care in the world. If if a cop, I've gotten into arguments about cops stopping me, um, because I don't have that fear, right? Right, and and that's and that's you know that's 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 a, I see that now as, as as a privilege that I had because you know I've spoken to people on this podcast and they go. Hey, I'll, I'll stay at home during coronavirus if that means I'm going to be safer and not just because interaction with just people to get, you know, COVID-19. But if I can stay home, that means there's less interaction with the police and, mm. and, and that's safer. And so I, I, you know, I understand that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting the things that we take for granted. And, well, uh, I'll tell you the other thing quickly to, to yeah. kind of piggyback on your comments is that, you know, I'm one of those people. I haven't been in a store in three months. You know, we've done mm -hmm. grocery delivery for or, or pickup uh, for three months, but I have not been in a store uh, wow. at all. Uh, curbside pickup for, for Mother's Day. And, and even then, I've only been to like four stores for pickup. It's been delivery or it's been, hey, keep it locked down in the Smith household and then our four walls and, and the backyard and I'll go for walks around the neighborhood, but I'm not, I'm not out mingling with in public, but yeah, that would, that wouldn't even cross my mind to stay home because of trying to limit my interaction potentially with police. That's never in my mind. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. Uh, you know, cross my mind. And, and it also, again, I keep referencing just because of the recency of the conversation, but a guy like Sherm, uh, who was born and raised in Malton, Ontario. Yes. Uh, I, I lived in, Malton slash Etobicoke right at Humber College at, at you know Highway 27 and Finch that was my neighborhood for six years three years in college and three years after college I stayed there before I ultimately ended up moving down to town and that was my 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 neighborhood and whether it be going to Woodbine Racetrack or Woodbine Center or the, the Etobicoke General Hospital the, 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 the you know the Highway 27 flea market Westwood Arena 
all yeah. the bars and restaurants and the little holes in the wall and whatnot of the, in that area uh, and the surrounding neighborhoods when I would go for a walk with a dog that I had for a couple years in college, all that. I never once, and I said this to Sherm, how many times do you think I was stopped by the police or had any interaction with the police in my six years in, in the Malton area in Etobicoke? Zero. And my stories or my six years certainly sounded a lot different than, you know, and it was longer than six years, but the 16 or 18 years that, that Sherm had. Yeah. And, and listen, I was in college. I'm walking home at two in the morning. I'm stumbling home from the campus bar. I'm going out with friends. I'm doing, you know, house parties, and whatever else. Not once, zero in six years that I have any interaction or issue uh, with the police in that area ever, ever. So that's, it's never crossed my mind to think I'll stay home now or ever because of what might happen if I run in to a police officer. It's just, it's, it's not even a thought. And, and it's, it, it reminds me then of what I've heard so many times from Sherm, from Jonesy, from, from other podcasts, other vlogs I've watched and IG live and conversations I've heard where, yeah. you know, the, 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 the analogy is um, the age or the time in your life that you had the conversation. And for most of us, or, and maybe I should say for most white people, uh, for, for a lot of people, the conversation is the birds and the bees. Yeah. But as I'm quickly learning, there's another conversation or the conversation, at least for so many others, it's what to do if you happen to be stopped by the police or yeah. what to do if you are profiled or if you run into somebody that's judging you based on your color or just the conversation is here's how the world's going to treat you because you're a black man because you're a person of color because you are allegedly different just because you look different and yeah. that's a conversation that i certainly never had with my parents because my conversation was the birds and the bees it's not a conversation that i've had to have with my son uh, who turns 11 soon because he's you know, this white kid in Canada. And, and that's not something that's I've, I've ever thought about. But now I have learned, and I should have known it before, but I feel like it's still worthy to have that conversation with him just to say, if you see this happening, yes, say something, do something. If this happens to one of your friends, how will you react? How should you react? How can you handle yourself? How can you be an ally? What could you, what should you do? So that to me is then, a conversation that I will have and that we've already started to have in our household. Cause I've, I've always been, even when he was really young and to my wife's uh, frustration, I'm the type of parent that I'm, I'm maybe honest to a fault. You know, don't ask me a question if you, if you don't really want to, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, I feel like it's better to, to sure. tell kids the truth. Like, yeah. you know, even in COVID, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of person I'm not. And Hey, I'm not going to judge you if you're, if you're, I don't mean you personally dream, but, I'm not going to judge yeah. people if they're different, if they feel different, if they parent different or whatever, but I'm not going to lie and say, everything's fine. We'll be fine. It's good. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. On one hand, don't overwhelm children and, and burden them and, 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 you know, think, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling. But at the same time, I don't think it's wrong to say, I don't know. And yeah. I'm, I'm a little scared too, or I'm a little nervous and um, uh, I need more, more information and, and, and I'm, we're staying home and we're cleaning as much as we do, or we wash our hands as much as we do because we just don't know. So, you know, you can hate me for being, you know, overly strict or, or anal about you know, always staying clean and not putting your hands in your eyes or whatever else. But it's, it's because I don't know and because I'm trying to protect you and, and not like, Oh, don't worry about it, buddy. It's fine. And, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. And you're invincible and life is great. No, yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes you got to have those, those, those honest, uh, moments and conversations even with young folks yeah and even how like my mom and dad they've got th four grandchildren and uh you know they obviously like all grandkids gr grandparents you know all they want to do is spend time with the grandkids right they've had enough of us they mm -hmm. want they want grandchildren time in um and and you know we we've heard that you know young people not as affected although you know i, I don't know if that's changing recently <clears throat> But, you know, you know, probably similar to what you're doing, we're, we're saying, listen, it's not just about, you know, is, is Kareem and Minaz and Cosmer healthy and safe, but we want to make sure that we're not negatively impacting others, 
right? We've got to, we've got to sort of, we've got to have empathy for others. We need to, you know, the reason that we're not spending time with um, Nani and Nana is because we want to make sure that they're healthy mm-hmm. as, as, as well. Um, you, you know, and so, so talks like that, I think are important. And I think it's important to, um, you know, for, for me to talk to, to my son and say, listen, um, you've got three, four, five black friends that, that you guys, you always hanging around. Now it's hanging out, out, out online. Make sure that you don't let other people put them down because of the color of their skin yes, or where, or, or the neighborhood that they just happen to live in or what they have or what they don't have. Um, my sister, she's got two black kids, four and two. And they knew, her and her husband knew they were going to have the talk right. at, at one point in time. They've already started to have to have that talk because the kids on, on their walks to, to get the kids exercise have heard and seen things now. Hmm. And so now it's like, so they're, they're asking her, they're asking my sister. Yeah. Is it the same cop who gave daddy a ticket? Why did the cop do this? When the cop comes out of jail, he's going to come after me. As I, I can't fathom, you know, I, I have feelings that bubble up inside of me because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're my nephews, but I can't imagine being, I can't imagine being black. I, I don't know what that feels like on a daily basis. And, and what I'm doing, Eric, is I'm trying to have as many conversations as possible that are so for me, so um, uncomfortable, um, but it's it's at the very least I could do, you know, to to, to yeah. have these conversations to learn, you know, what what happens. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel for your uh, I feel for your 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 sister and your brother in law and your nephews, especially at such a young age, to already yeah. thinking that and feeling that. That's that's it terrible. is it is nuts. It is nuts. Um, it's weird. You know, one thing that I like about podcasts is you can talk about anything. Uh, one thing about podcasts is there's no commercial. So do a segue is really hard for me. Yes, yes. But um, if it's okay with you, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know you're busy and I really appreciate the time that you've spent with me so far. Um, but very quickly about basketball. Basketball apparently is coming back uh, next month or at the end of next month. Um, are you, are you, you must be excited because work is sort of paused for you. I know you're doing your, your, your midweek show on, uh, on Instagram, but, but tell me about your feelings about basketball coming back. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. And I think, you know, to be, to be clear, I'm sure you would agree and everybody would agree as long as it's, it's safe to do yeah. so. And, and yeah. I mean, I guess there's no way to guarantee that, but as long as it's as safe and as healthy as possible for the players, for the coaches, for, for the NBA staff to do so, then, and yes, I'm very excited about the, the prospect and the possibility of, well, I, I shouldn't say possibility. It certainly looks like it's happening. I, I have seen some of the stories, as you have in the last you know, 24 hours or so, that there might be some players that are now um, speaking up about having some apprehension and uh, mm, maybe yeah. not wanting to play. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that maybe impacts things. But the one thing that I would say, Kareem, that the NBA seems to have, more so than Major League Baseball or the National Hockey League, uh, and I, you know, we don't even have to think about the NFL quite yet because we're not, we're not even talking about games in That's that right. league until September. Um, but with the other three leagues, the NBA to me has a leg up in that they're able to do this all under one roof, in one location, in essentially a gated community where you're you're quarantined in a bubble. Yeah. Whereas the NHL is going to need at least two cities, and you know, with one of the cities I've heard likely being Las Vegas, unless it ultimately comes out that um, the NHL has one of the hotels in Vegas that they can have essentially exclusive rights to, and that hotel is attached to the arena. I'm not sure how you can say that Vegas is a bubble for the NHL and guys aren't going to be out potentially on the strip or sure. in our hotels, or walk into the CVS to get something from from you know from the drugstore or something late at night. Whereas at least in Orlando, 
you are in literally behind gates behind the you know mickey's disney world's gates and 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 there is a hotel that is right there that is going to house the entire league every yeah. team and you can still say go out and walk go out and wander go for a bike ride go and sit outside and, and have a, a bit of a life because you're going to be in this contained area and to my understanding at least and i might be wrong with this but my understanding is the area or the section of Disney World that the NBA would be occupying is going to be cut off from the public. Sure. So there won't be interaction with anybody other than those who have been cleared, who have been tested, and who are being tested on a regular basis. Again, I don't know that that can be as strictly applied and as safely applied in the National Hockey League, and certainly in Major League Baseball. You're not going to be playing every single game out of one stadium. You're going to have to have multiple stadiums. And then that involves multiple cities being hub cities. And same issues to me at least uh, apply as to what I just said in, in, in the NHL, you know, how much can you truly guarantee the safety of the players, the lack of spread? Uh, Cause I, I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. the story, even with the NBA, there has been talk about the, the NBA may allow a player to leave. Oh, if he feels that he needs to, wants to whatever. But if you leave, you're quarantined for you're 10 quarantined days. Again. You return. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah. So yeah, you want to go? Well, Hey, if it's because you have to leave because you're sick, you need to go to a hospital or you need medical attention or whatever, that's one thing. But if you leave because you're trying to go visit a friend or you want to go to a store or whatever else, all right, well, you're going to be quarantined for 10 days. You're not going to be able to play for 10 days. So I would imagine nobody's leaving. So you've got the safety of that bubble. Um, I think that if you're testing daily, testing regularly, and have the access to and advice from the top medical experts arguably in the world i feel like this can be done with i shouldn't say no exposure but extremely limited exposure and and about as safely as possible so from that standpoint i'm excited that they had a chance to come back i'm excited to call games again to watch games again uh and i honestly don't believe that we will see a major impact, a major negative impact of the lack of fans. I think fans add a ton to a game, but at the same time, if you and I went out to play one-on-one right now, there's no fans and you're going to be competitive and you're (laughs) going to be bringing it your all and you're going to want to win. And I think it's going to be the same for professional athletes that as much as it would be better with fans and it's better to have the booze and the cheers and the energy and the vibes. Sure. That competitive, that, that, that inner competition just kicks in whether it's a pickup game, these guys are battling each other. Like, listen, I've been witness to it a few times and been lucky enough to watch it. When they're in practice and scrimmages break out, the trash talking, the competition, the intensity, the edge, there's no fans there. And it's a game that means nothing. It does mean something though. Yeah. Because it's, it's personal. It's, we've learned it's that watching the, yeah, we've That's learned that watching the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that to your point that the, uh, the, the dream team practice even, uh, that, that yeah. happened over uh, in, in Barcelona or whatever in the 90, 92 Olympics and how heated and intense that was between team Jordan and team magic. I mean, it's, 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 it's weekend warriors. Why do, why do, you know, uh, pickup leagues exist? Why do rec leagues exist? Because we all want that, not just the, the, the health component of competition and of sports, but it's yeah, the but... competition. It's, the, it's yeah. the edge. It's, it's, it's just kind of wanting to, to win and to, and to have that, 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 that feeling of victory, I suppose. And I yeah. think that kicks in ultimately for the players as well. And listen, there's a lot of teams that play in half-empty arenas, <laughs> arenas that only have a third of fans right now anyways, and some of the, the lesser markets. There's, there's guys that have certainly played, most of the guys that have played in summer league in Vegas where there's not, you know, there's hundreds in the stands, not thousands in the stands. Um, you know, think about games that you've seen, uh, you know, unfortunately, even with, say, like the Canadian national team where we've been, screaming for years why aren't more people coming out even in toronto to support yep. the canadian national team to watch the game let alone in some other markets or in smaller cities where you know international games are drawing flies <clears throat> so these guys are used to playing in front of little to no people i don't think that's going to have a, a major impact and i think as fans finally with something to watch at home uh, other than yeah. other than netflix that's the <laughs> other thing too. Uh, you know i, I jo- joking aside we're at a point now where, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I don't watch a lot of network TV. Most of what I watch is, is Netflix and, and sports. Yeah. But most of the major networks, ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, whatever, most of the shows are done now, right? Like the yeah. season, fa- season finales have happened. That's right. So we're in the summertime now. This is normally when you'd be going outside, sitting on patios, 
yeah. going to kids' sporting events, soccer games, baseball games, whatnot, whatever else. Well, now we're home with a bunch of repeats on and no sports. It's like, what the hell are we going to do? What are we going to watch? <laughs> not, so this is going to be a huge, huge I um, think so. You know, advantage, I think, for, for folks at home to be able to see this stuff. Yeah. Will you be going there to Orlando, calling live, or will you be in studio here in Toronto? What's, what's the plans? Best answer I can give you right now is I don't know. Okay. Um, my, my hunch is, uh, and it's a pretty strong hunch, I, I think that everybody is going to be a, a, you know, home in Toronto or, or whatever market they're in, in their respective markets. My, my understanding, I think, and again, this could change. This might not be even confirmed right now, but my understanding, I think, is that the league will provide a broadcast. They will likely hire however many crews, two, three, four, five crews of camera people to shoot the game, to broadcast the game. And then that, that feed, that satellite feed, will be beamed back to each respective market so that you know, the Raptor broadcasters, the Sixers broadcasters, the Celtics, et cetera, um, they will all call those games uh, with their own graphics, with their own stats, with their own sponsors and whatnot. Uh, on their local affiliate in their respective city, but everybody is provided with the same feed and you call it off the monitor and that would be the same thing uh, for the radio broadcasters as well. That's, that's how I think things will go. Uh, and I think that's probably the safest avenue for the league to go as well, because, um, you know, if the number is correct that I've heard, I think it was around 1600 roughly that they're expecting when you factor in players, coaches, staff, uh, you know, yeah. uh, um, uh, the, the, the the, the scores crew officials, you know, representation from the league office, et cetera. I think I heard it was around 1600 people they were expecting. Well, why add another 600 or whatever the hell the number is by saying, sure, you know, play by play guys, radio and TV, color analysts, radio and TV, sideline reporters, writers, national writers, local guys, bloggers, everybody, you know, media welcome. Yeah. Why expose all of them potentially to, infection contamination and more specifically why expose the players and the That's coaches right. at this point so you know it, it on one hand it stinks because you know if it was safe to do so i would love to go but at the sure. same time if it's safer for me let alone if it's safer for my family and for the players and their families and for the league and for the coaches and everybody else uh i don't i don't mind doing whatever's right and whatever's deemed right right now and and yeah. i will say selfishly speaking my experience isn't vast but I have done uh, broadcasts off a monitor before, uh, going back as far as 2012 and the uh, 2012 Olympic Games in London. Um, ah. I, did, I did men's boxing play-by-play uh, -play television for the Canadian Olympic broadcast on TV. That's when TSN and Sportsnet. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Joined forces, yeah. And it was the Canadian broadcast, the Canadian Olympic Broadcast Consortium. And uh, That's right. If you, if you watch men's boxing, uh, I was doing play-by-play -play with Russ Anber as my analyst, and we called it from Toronto off of, you know, we sat in a tiny little studio and had a, ah. you know, 50-inch screen in front of us, and, and we were provided a feed, and we did the play-by-play -play off the monitors, and there were a lot of the sports. I thought you guys were there. Yeah, no, we weren't. We okay. weren't. There's a lot of, because of the cost that's involved of sending, of you, figure, you figure how many sports are in the Olympic Games, and you need not just a play-by-play -play person and a color analyst, but you would need at least, at least, uh, a producer, a director, probably a statistician, a graphics person, like the, the amount of people that go in into one broadcast, if you're doing it live and in person, to send all of those people, to have all of the equipment, to have all of the space, let alone then the cost for per diem, hotel rooms, flights, any other additional expenses. I mean, it would be in the millions upon millions of dollars. And just from a cost perspective, it's, yeah. it's far more affordable to do it remotely, uh, you know, off a monitor. Um, and that's something that I hope is not the norm for both sure. when it's safe and when yeah. things are normal again. But uh, in the meantime, right now, in the interim, it's something that I think is the, is the safest and the healthiest option for, for everybody. Now, again, that might change. Maybe certain people are allowed to go. Maybe certain broadcasts are allowed to go. But I, I feel like in my gut, that's, that's the route we're taking in, in, in terms of doing the, uh, uh, calling the games off the monitors. Perfect. Eric, I could probably talk to you for another two hours about, uh, about basketball and, 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 and stuff. But uh, I, I know this, is, this isn't what we had planned to talk about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I have really appreciated this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Kareem. Be well.